Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Good Grow Great podcast. This is Talia Toha and this is Growth Amplifiers. This is the segment where we dive into specifics of what people can do and what we can do to live a meaningful and rich life all the while creating that amazing purpose that we know and we believe in, but also advancing something that is meaningful for everyone around us. And with that mission and vision, today we're going to be talking about the art of persuasion psychology. So many times in our lives, when we are placed in a position where we can advance something or advance even ourselves, right? We have to be placed in a position where, okay, well, do I? how do I make this work? How do I convince someone? And it gets kind of tricky. I know it because I'm an introvert still, and I, have, I haven't I have ever been really the most eloquent person in the world. And so this area had always been tricky for me as a person who didn't really speak any English when I started and, and um, was generally shy, right? And so how did I do this? I wanted to share with you a couple things. Uh, mostly, though, the time when I was thankful to have been persuaded into doing something that I didn't. I did not want to do at all. And this is kind of interesting because at first I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. This is frightening to me. But the minute I was persuaded, I was like, this, thank God I was. And I'm going to break down and deconstruct what exactly uh, was the context of that persuasion. Because once they did that, I I was off, right? I was off to the races. So we're going to be talking about the art of persuasion psychology. Before we begin, though, be sure to hit that follow, subscribe, add, or collect button. For solvers, let's get started. Okay, you guys. So before we begin, I actually want to start with the story of how I actually started uh, mountaineering, how I began kind of that journey. I know a lot of listeners and students of Good Grow Great, you guys know that I'm huge on the outdoors. And it wasn't actually, it was actually kind of an accident because I've always been, I used to grow up in the city halfway around the world and it wasn't really an area where there's a lot of nature or things where I can go outside and just hang out. So it wasn't really inbred in me, if that makes sense, right? However, there was a time, I want to say it's probably about 10, 15 years ago now, but there was a time when I was sort of fed up with all of the things that uh, I used to be doing, even even the vacations, like even the vacations, I was kind of like, not to say that I went on vacations a lot, but it was more that I was looking for something different, right? I used to go to the beaches a lot, which is amazing. I still love tropical islands. All of them are beautiful, but I was really looking for kind of a more peaceful retreat at that time. And it was after it was really after kind of a whirlwind year, there was so much going on at the time. And um, we had just recently moved from one place to another. And so there were a lot of changes in my life. And I didn't really feel for some reason, it really just didn't click for me uh, to do all of the things that I used to do. And so the idea of actually going out outdoors into the mountains was introduced to me by my family, and um, and it was really interesting because I was like, oh my gosh, do I have to, do I have to go hiking, like go in the mud, like this doesn't sound fun at all, right? 
But little by little, certain things uh, began to unpeel. And I'll share with you what those specific things were that eventually persuaded me to basically start hiking this trail that led to this only about two feet wide trail, right? And two feet wide, for those of you guys who are international, this is um, outside of the US. It's probably, it's just a little, I, th- I want to say that's what, like below one meter, right? Just a little less than one meter wide um, on either side. And um, on other side of the trail, it's just a drop, like it's hundreds of feet down, right? And that was the kind of trail, it was an alpine route. They call it an alpine trail because it was uh, alpine climate. It was a high elevation and uh, it was in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody around. And I remember when I got to that point, when I got to kind of the peak, the weather started to turn and there was nobody around. There was nothing going on and I couldn't hear for miles. I couldn't hear anyone or anything. I didn't even hear like a bird peep or anything. It was just me and, um, and and my husband, of course, and we kind of like we were a little bit a little bit scared because the wind started to pick up, the weather started to turn, and it started to the clouds are starting to roll in. It started to get dark, and then and then little by little we started to feel drops, right? Little drops of rain. We weren't too scared at that point because we thought that it was well, it's just a little rain. It's fine. We have all the gears. And then the rain kind of picked up, it got stronger, the wind picked up some more, it got even windier. And before we realized it, we were completely zipped up, we were completely zipped up. And we put our hoodies on, we put everything, our all our raincoats, everything on just to make sure. And, and the direction of the wind slash rain felt, I don't know if what it was, but if to us, it felt like it was coming almost horizontally straight to us. And it was probably at an angle and the wind helped it kind of push, push the rain and wind uh, to our, to, to where we were standing. Um, And so it felt like you're being attacked by like hundreds of needles all the while trying to balance that two feet wide trail. We were so close to our peak and our destination where we were supposed to stop and kind of celebrate after miles and miles and miles of hiking. And we kind of looked at each other. I I was bent down on my knees and my all four legs, uh, all four, four um, all fours, not all four legs, although that would be funny as well. And uh, I was bent down completely. And, you know, I was, I looked to him, my husband, and I was kind of, I saw that he was starting to lower himself too, because what was, what was starting to happen was we started to lose balance because of the wind. So it, it was definitely a pretty high wind. Um, and we kind of uh, later on, we learned that it was, it was a good, you know, 10 to 15 miles an hour wind. So it's pretty strong. And we, I mean, we weren't at that point, I know he had a little bit more experience, but I wasn't an experienced mountaineer. This was the first time ever I had embarked in something like this. And it was really, really hard because I went down and I was like, oh, the the thing is only like, a you know, 100 feet more. Like if we just get there, we can just, we can claim this and we can just be like, oh, yes, we did it. Thank goodness. And it felt like it wouldn't be such a waste. And, um, and then what's interesting, though, we kind of agreed 
uh, almost indirectly that it's not a good idea to keep moving. It just wasn't because, again, on both sides, you can, if you just drop and you just kind of fall off and trip or slip a little bit, that's hundreds um, hundreds of feet down and and there's no way that um, we would potentially survive it. So what was kind of at that moment, what's happening in my mind, I was like, this is really disappointing. This was my first try ever doing this. I wasn't a mountaineer. I didn't know what I was doing. And I I all I felt like I could have gotten there. And then the weather turned. And um walking back, we kind of we started talking about it and thinking about it some more. And we were reminded of how many mountaineers also lost their lives when they uh, when they when they essentially uh, went against the weather, right, and when they didn't listen to all of the clues, and so we were eventually we were thankful and grateful that we survived it, and we didn't really we didn't keep going because I think it would have been a very dangerous dangerous thing to do. The trail was starting to get muddy, and even though we even if we reached the top, we may not be able to reach the bottom again, right? Like the, there's still the way back that we have to consider. So all that being said, we, we hiked down for a number of hours again, again, um, in some kind, it's still in really bad weather. So it still wasn't perfect. But when I got back, I started thinking about this whole experience because when I was pitched by my family to go on this trip, I was just not into it at all. I was just like, there's just no way me walking is relaxing at all. There's just no way that me kind of doing all of these things is something that I've, and at that time, I just couldn't see it at all, right? I didn't see the benefit. But what's cool is that when I got back, I, you know, I kind of reflected on that experience and realized just how important it actually was, and how useful and how enriching and how um, humbling it all was the whole experience. And I came out really having a renewed sense of not just purpose, but understanding of, you know, endurance, perseverance, right, uh, purpose, and you kind of get an idea of really at a high level, top performers, right, even in their work, in their career, business, even athletes, right, or even just people who are doing good at home and just parenting their kids or doing good at home and and um, really giving to the people around them and the immediate people around them, you really have a sense that when you are going through certain things and you are persuaded sometimes to go into certain territories that you're uncomfortable with, which I was, um, you know, there's always resistance. There's That's the natural knee-jerk reaction, right? But you will just never know. You just will never know what kind of grace, what kind of amazing things and opportunities even sometimes are waiting on the other side of that fear. And I think when people look at experiences and being persuaded as such, they always kind of they let the fear dominate their decision making. And, um, and so thankfully, this wasn't the case. And I wanted to share with you how I got persuaded into doing all these things that I didn't expect to have enjoyed and what you can do as well to adopt and adapt this persuasion psychology to essentially advance what you believe in. So yeah, so the first one is definitely painting the picture. And what's interesting is that I was painted the picture of 
how this can help with, you know, what I was looking for, really, how this whole experience um, from the pictures that I've seen, you know, I've seen pictures of some beautiful, gorgeous, this turquoise green lake and clear skies, right? Everything is blue and green and different shades of clarity almost. And like the, the lake is just like glass. You can see feet, you know, just uh, lots of lots of uh, distances down and out. So I think that's really kind of amazing to me. When I look at those pictures, I immediately felt kind of this um, uh, that I was like, oh, okay, this might be it. This is good. You know, this might be the one uh, experience that I was looking for at the time because it wasn't, I wasn't looking for the hustle bustle at that time. I wasn't looking for another beach um, outing, you know, which is fun, but this was something that I didn't expect I would I would enjoy. And I was shared that picture. I remember I was shared that picture by my family again, and they had taken their own individual pictures, right? Um, somebody that I knew had gone off by himself and they take their own pictures on their camera. So the first thing that I really enjoyed was because sometimes you see pictures of certain things online and you kind of, you don't know if it's like doctored, right? Or if, if they Photoshopped it or whatever, but this one, I can tell that, I mean, I know that they didn't do Photoshop, you know, because they that's just not what they do. I know the person. So I knew that those pictures were just, there was no filter. There was no, nothing that would make it or embellish it. Uh, it was just as is. So immediately I felt called to go, oh, wow, that's, it really is that clear, right? It really is that beautiful. And so that whole original experience before I said yes to this whole experience, um, when I was painted the picture, really, really kind of created that visual memory for me and visual memory of something that's to come. That's a little bit exciting. That's that I, I could look forward to, you know what I mean? And just kind of think of it from the perspective of new experiences. So I think one thing that was really effective, particularly here, is definitely painting the picture. So if you are in the position where you have to persuade and you're not sure how to do it, it may be that if whatever it is that you're offering does have a physical form, whether it's like a product, right? If it's a painting, if it's an actual uh, destination that you go to, uh, pictures, videos, all of these things are so, so useful. But if your type of business is a little less visual, right? You're not a stylist, you're not a food expert or whatever it is. And, um, and that's not the space that you're in and you're kind of more a consultant or a coach perhaps even. It's, uh, it's not about painting a literal picture, but kind of showing, right? Showing rather than telling what the experience would look like, would feel like, would result in, right? And just kind of giving them a sense of what that experience is. And I think this is so true because if you look at even just our consumption, our own consumption pattern, what we like to do and use. I sometimes choose places to eat. Again, I love to use food analogies. I love to pick places and, you know, to eat really based on how fast they are perhaps, or how quick I can, I can grab, uh, grab and go if I'm in, in a rush, but if I'm kind of want, I want it to chill, uh, I'm thinking, okay, I love their seating area, right? All of these things. And same thing with books or movies, you know, like I know that that horror movie is great, 
but it wasn't the feeling and it wasn't the result that I was looking for. I was at the time, perhaps I'm looking for something a little bit more lighthearted, right? Whatever. So um, painting the picture both literally and figuratively or just figuratively, if you're not in the, again, in that physical space can really, really go the miles. So that's the first one. I think the second thing that happened before I was persuaded, almost it felt like out of my own will without me realizing it, which is a great experience, right? I was glad. I was glad that I was persuaded, actually. Um, and so the second thing that happened that I remembered was that when my family shared this idea with me, they did not force me to just oh yeah, you have to hike like all 20 miles. That wasn't what we were talking about. They were sharing that picture and they said, you know what, you can just do a mile in and see how you feel, come back out and see where it is. So I think the idea of meeting other people where they are, something that Ramit Sethi always talks about, which is fantastic, meeting people where they are and then having the freedom of and allowing that freedom to evolve in the process is really a liberating experience because what can happen is that they once they try it out, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, let's do it, right? It's not too dissimilar from... Uh, let's see, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we want to go to the gym, perhaps, and the gym says, oh, you have, you can do like a whole year uh, membership, you can do like a year, a month or three months or whatever. So it's in that same kind of manner, where you're allowing people to meet you where they are, and not forcing them to kind of, okay, you have to go all the way here, you have to jump all the way here, right? And so, so in that way, the persuasion psychology is that the lighter and the less you have to pull them or they push themselves, usually the better. Because what that means is it, it just becomes this amazing win-win uh, relationship and experience, right? So that's exactly what I did, actually. When I started uh, in that area, in the hike area, in the mountain area, I actually just went in for like a mile in. And then I stopped there and, um, you know, came back out. I think I went to lunch or something like that went back in for like a three mile um, kind of walk and I thought oh this is not too bad it's great loving the picture loving the surrounding all of the things and then the next day I did something longer like a five mile which was tiring but at that point I knew that I could do it because I had already passed certain milestones right and then the day after I bumped it up to eight and then finally the 14 miles that led me to that alpine alpine trail right it could have been that my the people around me could have been just like, hey, yeah, we, you, have to, you have to hike this 14-mile thing, and then you get to see this peak and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and if that was the approach, I would have been, I would have just been no, right? I just, because I knew I couldn't do it, like at the point, at that point where I was. But because they allowed me that breathing room to explore a little bit here and there, I started to build the confidence that, okay, I can do it. You know, I can do the 14 miles and I can do the Alpine Trail, which if it wasn't because of the weather, we probably could have done it. You know, so it was really an amazing, I think, uh, insight into how really the value of meeting other people where they are and the importance of it. So if you are, I would say, in a position where you know, your client is not engaging with you or your boss is not really responding with you, 
take a look at it from their perspective, right? And see where they are. Are they, uh, you know, do they feel like they know of, of your work, right? Are they um, fully aware of just kind of the amount of value that you can bring to the table, right? So there is a process of, of education in that sense, but not in like a pedagogy way, not in the like pointing finger kind of way, but more kind of in the welcoming way, right? And just allowing you to be all open hands and saying, these are all of the things that we can do. These are amazing things that you can do, but you know, you can take a pick, you know, this is something that you can do here, something that you can do there as well. And it's just allowing that process to evolve organically, which is a beautiful once you get the art and science of it it's really become an amazing and and in a lot of ways enjoyable experience you know like both everyone will get to enjoy that experience which is fantastic so when you're thinking of a persuasion uh technique you have to think of things from that perspective and and you know me because i believe in small giants i believe that you do not need to be a big name to create a big impact a lot of times those steps look small, but they actually mean really uh, something really, really bigger than uh, than face value. So you have to understand that there is that continuation, that process and that potential that we have to we have to basically uh, allow to grow. You know, what I mean, so uh, that's the that's the second thing that came to mind about how I got persuaded. And the third thing that came to mind, actually, that when I was shared that idea, it did, to me, it presents a solution to a burning problem, right? A burning pain, because I, I just, I didn't know where to start, right? Because I was, I felt like I tapped out on all of the kind of um, the trips that I, I was doing. And I, I was pretty well traveled at that time. And I didn't really feel like I wanted to spend another, you know, two days in, in an airplane going to another destination, which uh, I have to say, I did love, you know, at some point, and in many points, still, I love. But for that particular time, it wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking for something lighter, a new experience. And so I didn't know where to start. But because I had the want, and because I had the need, it totally scratched my itch, right? And probably at a high level, it is more than scratching my itch. It really kind of lifts up almost it feels like it lifts up this burden of having to, you guys know it, right? If you have to research something, sometimes even with Google, you don't even know where to start. Sometimes you're like, what are the resources? How do I find out exactly how to do XYZ? Exactly how and it's so hard sometimes to even just weed through all of the information that's out there uh, that you know you can find. It's got to be out there. But A, sometimes you don't have the time to, to find it yourself and search for it yourself. B, you know, a lot of times, even if you find it, you don't know how to put those information together. Like, okay, so if mountaineering was a thing that I could get into, like, where do I start? What kind of gears? Like, where, what are some trails, right, that I, I should start with? And how can this still be enjoyable without it being too painful, but still challenging? So all of these questions can come up. And so if you're offering something to other people, it is, I always encourage that finding people who have a want and have a need and have the pay certainty that 
that can also uh, really, really mean that both sides are investing their time and, um, and, and effort equally and in a mutual way, right, in that you're giving time for somebody else, um, knowing that that person can definitely benefit from it, right? It's no use if you have this amazing offering, if you're good at something, and then you're sharing it with other people, or if you're good at something and then you're sharing it with other people who, who say, yeah, that's amazing, but they don't want it, but they don't need it, right? And they can't pay for it. That's even more difficult, right? So finding people who uh, are in need of a solution for that burning pain is very, very cru- crucial. But at the same time, if they need it, but they don't know it and they don't want it, you know, that could be tricky as well and vice versa. So you have to find some people who are, who have that combination. So for me at that time, I wanted quiet and peace, you know, I wanted something different and I couldn't find it. And it was actually right in front of my eyes. It wasn't very far from where we lived. It was only like a few hours flight at that point, which um, I should have known, you know, I, I could have probably searched and researched it myself, but it was difficult because I didn't know where to start. So just being able to find and attract people like that is really, really crucial because when you are persuading someone who already has a need and has a want, it's it's almost not even a persuasion. It's just being there and showing up to serve, which is something that I always, always encourage, right? So that's the number three thing. So the first thing, of course, let's recap real quick. It's painting the picture and the experience that, that you're going to offer and share. So important, right? Meeting others where they are, right? If they're not uh, all the way down to point Z, don't take them to point Z. You know, it can break, um, it can break everything in, in literal and figurative sense. Number three, solving a burning pain, uh, their wants and their needs. Very, very important. Okay. Now the fourth one um, is that it was more convenient than other trails. So convenience is the fourth one, which is so important in that that particular area that I was trying out, it was for a long time, I thought that you have to like drive in and you have to like, you know, find this back road and and access it by like backpacking and you have to load all of it. I didn't want to do all of those because those are too difficult. And at that time, this particular area had beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous trails, but still convenient within walking distance and definitely driving distance to a particular bed and breakfast that I simply, I felt like I resonated with and um, and to a place where we can eat and hang out. You know, if we forgot to pack our lunch or a place for dinner or a place to kind of grab a little bit of grocery, right? Um, or some stores that, so there is a balance to it. And of course, once you're ready, you can go hardcore and you can do all the whole mile a little bit more advanced, right? Going into some really spectacular places uh, once you've you've felt like you've had enough mileage, right? But at that point, for me, I wasn't there, so I was looking for convenience, but also at the same time beauty, which is kind of hard to find when you usually usually when you're talking about outdoor space, right? All of you guys know this if you're into this, is that 
sometimes the best places is kind of hard to access. It's very, very hard. Sometimes you have to walk in, not just hours, but sometimes days to, to get to like a particular lake or a particular point, viewpoint even. So sometimes it's very hard and it's only accessible to those advanced mountaineers. And I wasn't there. And this particular place was, uh, it checks a lot of boxes. So as far as persuasion goes, if you can make it as easy as possible for people, it will, of course, make it even better. It, again, it would just not even be a persuasion at that point. It's just a matter of these are some of the things that we have and these are how you can benefit from it. We have access to, you know, Wi-Fi if you want to or whatever, right? And um, so thinking of it from the perspective of the person on the other side and the convenience or or lack thereof can really, really transform um, that persuasion process, right? And it will kind of keep you from having to become that, um, you know, the feeling, uh, the gross feeling of having to kind of promote yourself. You know, I know that a lot of people and a lot of students come my way actually to the Good Grow Great community and saying, Talia, I feel gross. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I know how to say it, but uh, those just don't sound like me. You know, like, I don't want to sound like the gregarious, loud, like salesperson. And I understand because it is something that a lot of people resonate with because it's not, it's, you shouldn't have to act like someone else, right? You should just be able to highlight certain things that you're already doing, that you already believe in. That's the other thing, right? That you already believe in, that you can just put out there and show up to serve. And if people love it, great. If they don't, also fine. You know, we're not looking for everyone. We're just looking for the right people. So that's the fourth persuasion technique and framework that I wanted to kind of highlight when I was persuaded to do something that I did not want to do. So we're de deconstructing how this happened, right? Because when that happened, uh, everything everything was unlocked. Like I started going to Switzerland. I started like hiking in different um, tropical mountains and, you know, even just locally here in the U.S., like we started going a little bit more actively. So really interesting how I turned a corner just from something that I really didn't think that I was going to engage with. You know what I mean? So very, very interesting psychology. Um, so the fifth one that I wanted to share as far as persuasion psychology and what persuaded me to uh, essentially become a mountaineer and just kind of start mountaineering is that when I started out, there is necessary scarcity around that particular uh, trail, right? So the particular trail that I was talking about with the alpine route and everything, it was, um, that place was actually only open to about, I want to say about 100 hikers per day. So that's not a lot, especially if it's a popular trail and a, like thousands of people want to do it. So they, uh, people who are in charge of that park, they say, you know what, because it's so beautiful and we want to protect it and we want to make sure that it's uh, people who are going through it has an enjoyable experience rather than kind of like a corporate experience where you're waiting in line or people are, um, you know, polluting with trash and all of these things, they're saying, you know what, we're only going to open it to 100, up to 100 hikers per day. And I have heard and I have um, noticed that they do book up, you know, they do book up. So what they did was that in the morning, 
it's really a first come first serve basis. So people would start lining up, uh, I want to say about an hour or so before they open up. And so I remember because it was so scarce and because the pictures had really drawn me, right. And I, I kind of, I, I was uh, compelled to try it out. Uh, the fact that there was only a hundred hikers um, and this is a necessity, right. And this is a, a good necessity made it even more appealing, right. Because that means that the experience was important to them, which means that I am more likely to have a great experience. So this is something that's crucially, crucially important because I think particularly, I think it's different definitely if the model that you're after is just, you know, this mass having like different uh, thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people engaging with you and your particular offering or whatever it is that you're doing. But if you're really only trying to reach uh, a handful of people, this is a beautiful way to make it a beautiful experience for them, but also a great experience for you, right? Because you know that people who come your way, who maybe are looking to become part of your program or part of, um, you know, whatever it is that you're creating, they know that you're, that's important for you too, right? And you know that people who are coming are looking for important things. And they're not just looking to just, oh, we're just going to come in here and this doesn't even matter. We don't care. But it is also important for you. So it really does attract the right people. Usually when you kind of, uh, when you have this um, necessity uh, to, to create and to basically not just create, but also implement scarcity that is necessary. Now, if it isn't necessary, don't you don't have to of course that's not really a thing but definitely the fact that there is scarcity it really helped me to understand that okay this is important to them it's going to be important for me it's they want a great experience i want a great experience which means all the more likely that this is going to check off all of those boxes which is amazing so from the perspective of persuasion, like if you have somebody that you need to persuade, a particular case that you want to kind of propose at work, a particular offering that when you want to share to your client, um, these are definitely the five that you can start with. There are dozens more that I can share. Obviously, we don't have time for this particular episode. But these are the five that you can start with. Now, if you do want more information, just email us at support at goodcrowgreat.com, support at goodcrowgreat.com, and we'll hook you up. You know, we'll, we'll help you out with several resources to make it even more amazing. So definitely, definitely think about how you can strategically and purposefully create something that uh, include these elements in your whatever it is that you're doing. And then everything will follow, right? All of the things will follow. So approach it from the art of persuasion psychology rather than from kind of that gross feeling of having to promote and sell something that's not what we're here for, right? That's not what we're doing. We're not here to kind of twist someone's arms. Um, we're here to show up to serve. And the more you give, uh, the better uh, everyone else is, is doing. So in that way, I want to encourage you guys to definitely hit that subscribe, follow, add, or collect button. Guru Solvers, until next time, I'll see you later. Later.